0: It's a bonus two-man game inside. Thomas, dominant. Dynamite inside on that one. Not afraid, and he got some dog in. And the steal! They can tie it with a three! Murray! Yes! A Murray miracle in the desert!
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Bulls Podcast presented by the Kings Herald. My name is Brandon Nunez and... Joining you live from Golden 1 Center on, what day of the week is it even? Monday night, Monday the 17th, where the Sacramento Kings just played their second postseason game against the Golden State Warriors, and they're sitting here up 2-0. I do not think many people would have predicted this to be the case. Admittedly, I am one of those. I thought that um, there was a good chance Golden State would be able to steal one of these games. But once again, what do I know? Turns out I was completely wrong when it came to that. And and Sacramento has played just some phenomenal basketball that has really led to that. This is actually the first time that the Warriors have been down 0-2 in a playoff series since 2007 when they trailed the Utah Jazz 2-0 in the second round. And that was the We Believe Warriors that beat the eighth seed seed or I'm sorry, that were the eight seed and beat the number 1 seed Dallas Mavericks with MVP Dirk Nowinski and then went down 2-0 in the next round. So again, first time the Warriors are down 0-2 in a playoff series since 2007. And a lot of that has to do with what we have seen from the Sacramento Kings. They have been amazing. They they have been amazing. It's been as good as you could ask from them. Today, I I plan on going through kind of what went well in game two, what worked for the Kings in game two, some of the standouts, uh, and just to kind of give you a little bit of a rundown, it's going to be offensive rebounds, forcing turnovers, largely due to physicality. Uh, The importance of secondary playmaking, I think, is really big in this game and showing on both ends Uh, Both teams, you can see the secondary playmaking or lack thereof and the impact that I think that is having. Um, Getting to the line and winning the possession battle. Winning the possession battle is something that's talked about a lot from this coaching staff and a lot of coaches throughout the league. And Sacramento was able to do that tonight. Obviously, there was the Draymond green Demonte sabonis incident where Draymond decided to uh, stomp on Domas. I will say at the top, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about that. I'll get my quick opinion um, I didn't include any of the players post-game audio quotes on that because or coach because a lot of them were like you know of course we're gonna ride for our guy and defend our guy but like it's they were very non-committal or, or said anything too over the top you know I, I think it's hard to get a feel for exactly what happened when you're in the heat of the moment and maybe they'll have some opinions at practice tomorrow when they go and watch it back but We'll kind of see what ends up happening there. Um, Yeah, and a handful of other things I'm going to touch on in this episode as well. Shout out to some of the people that are joining in here in the YouTube chat. And uh, if anybody's out there on Twitch as well, definitely feel free to drop some comments. And I'll be responding throughout the course of the episode here. But let's just start with coming into game two. I thought the obvious things that what stood out to me more than anything is like, okay, there's things that Golden State needs to clean up, right? Malik Monk can't get 14 free throw attempts when he averages just over two. The Sacramento Kings can't pull down 17 offensive rebounds. Like that's just a lack of execution and attention to detail from Golden State's side. And it's credit to Sacramento for being locked in on those same details more so than the opposition. But I thought it was just kind of some stuff in my mind that Golden State needed to clean up. And Sacramento still came out and was able to make an advantage in those aspects. You know, they had 29 free throws compared to Golden State's 18. And 12 of those came from DeMontis Sabonis, who I thought was able to get his own shot. More so in this one than than what we had kind of seen in the previous game. He also uh, had nine rebounds and four assists as well. Four of those nine rebounds being offensive. Um, Other guys that were able to get to the line for the Kings, it kind of a little bit of everybody. Harrison Barnes knocked down three of five. All of Keegan Murray, Kevin Herter, De'Aaron Fox, and Davion Mitchell had two free throw attempts. Malik Monk got to the line four times. So they were still able to make a difference when it came to that end of the floor. And... Also didn't give up a crazy amount of free throws. You know, 18 isn't amazing, but when you have 29 of your own, I think that's a margin that you're more than okay with. Steph Curry getting the line eight times. Again, not amazing, but not horrible. And obviously the big highlight when it comes to Curry is holding them to three of 13 from beyond the arc. And that's a combination of great defense from uh, De'Aaron Fox. Davion Mitchell did a great job. There was times that Kevin Herger was on him when... They would go to that box in one, and it is also a credit to the coaching staff for just having them ready for the level of physicality that was going to be important in this game, switching up the defensive coverages that Steph Curry was seeing. I thought DeMontis Sabonis did a great job uh, showing and recovering and moving his feet as he needed to, being high at the level of the screen. And Alex Lund did a solid job as well. You know, Alex Lund didn't play a crazy amount, but he still is that backup five. Uh, playing eight minutes and seventeen seconds in this one, and Curry tried to attack him. A lot of times, you know, they they tried to make sure that Len isn't necessarily out there with Curry, but there was some overlapping minutes that you saw that, and I thought Len did a good job of of limiting that. And there was a fun chess match kind of with how Alex Len was getting matched up, or who he was matching up with defensively and what Golden State was then doing based on who he was guarding that I'll get into the details of as well. But uh pretty early on here, I actually just want to play Coach Brown's postgame uh from his postgame presser, his opening statement, which runs for a little while here, but I think he touches on a lot of important things that happen in tonight's victory for the Kings.
0: What what a game. Uh the physicality that that both te- both uh teams brought tonight was was unbelievable. Um you know, I, I thought, um, our guys did, did a heck of a job tonight, you know, to, to see that they had 22 turnovers and we were able to capitalize off those turnovers was huge. Um, we got to keep having active hands, uh, throughout the ball game and, um, try to get as many deflections as possible and hope those can turn into points going the other way. Um, you know, we keep talking pace, 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 pace. We got to keep playing fast, 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 even faster than what we played tonight. Um, because that's how we play. Uh, we generate a lot of points just by, uh, us pushing the ball, uh, in transition. But on top of that, uh, you know, having a, a pace about our game in the half court too has to be huge. Um, <clears throat> Our ability to offense or rebound in game one, uh, and tonight, uh, was big. Uh, you know, especially, uh, you know, we're, we're obviously not shooting the ball like we normally do. And that's part of being in the playoffs, but, uh, we want that thing that we want to let it fly. We want our guys to let it go. Uh, if they see a hint of daylight, let it go. Uh, we trust them. We believe in them. Uh, they've been shooting the ball. Well, all year, and we know we're going to have a few games where we really break out. When we do, if we can keep that same physicality and sense of urgency that we're having defensively, uh, it can turn into a big, big, big win for us. Um, what was huge was also for us in the second half is we had two turnovers in the second half. We had 12 in the first half, um, that, 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 you know, kept them in it, gave them a lot of life and, For us to be able to, uh, be, be strong with the ball. We, we talked about the game being a physical game. So you had to be strong with the ball, especially when you tap that paint. For us to be, uh, strong with the ball like we were in that second half and only end up with two turnovers, uh, was huge. You know, you take your hat off to Foxy, big, big, big buckets down the stretch. He had a big three right in front of our bench. That was, it was phenomenal. Um, Domas. He's an all star. And he showed tonight why he is an all star and he should be all NBA like Foxy. Both those guys really stepped up tonight and they were big for us like we need them to be. Uh but I, I tell you what, our bench with Malik, Malik continues to be aggressive, continues to play uh, the right way we need him to be aggressive like he is, uh because you know I don't know if I've seen a guy, especially a six man like that, be able to make plays the way he does for himself and and or for his teammates uh but <clears throat> Davion Mitchell was good. you're not stopping stuff that you know stuff had had 28, you know, and when a guy scores 28, you say, you think that somebody, uh, did a halfway decent job on him. But I mean, Steph is the greatest of, of the great. You're not stopping him. You're not going to slow him down. You just want to try your best to make him work. And that's all Davion's doing. He's trying like the Dickens to, to make Steph work. And, um, we know Steph's going to bring it. Uh, down in san francisco he's gonna let that thing fly and we all have to be conscious of trying to help davion or foxy or whoever's guarding them because he can win a series for for that team any day of the week but i gotta give credit to 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 davion for trying to fight over screens and through screens and and uh all that other stuff um I don't I don't know if he can do a better job which is again a testament to to Steph's greatness with with the 28 points. Um so phenomenal game our our crowd again our, I I don't know if I again I don't feel like I've ever been in a building that's as loud as this. It's it's deafening. I I mean I my my grandson has come to two games. I got to I got to ask his mom if if he needs to if we need to get a nanny, because I'm worried about his eardrums, even though he's got these big old, big old things on his head.
1: Obviously, shout out to the Golden One crowd, phenomenal as expected, um, right up there with Game One. I thought the rally towels were a nice touch. Um, they, when everybody is is swinging those around, I think it makes for a pretty cool environment, and it was. I mean, electric from again, you know, ten fifteen minutes prior to tip off when all of Sacramento runs out from the tunnel. Um, expecting, I- I'm actually expecting a lot of Kings fans to be at Chase Center too, and there were more Warrior fans here tonight, I guess. But uh, again, like there, there's not. Maybe you hear bits and pieces of cheering when stuff's going on for Golden State, but there's way, way, way more booze for anything like that. Um, Totally different than what I think most people expected. And there's, I, I know of a lot of Kings fans that have said, you know, making it to game one or two was too expensive, but three or four was like half the price. I think there's going to be a lot of Kings fans in Chase Center, and it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Um, De'Aaron Fox continues to prove that he's just that guy. He had... 11 points in the fourth quarter, ends the game with with 24 on the night. And I thought the nine assists were huge for him tonight, to be able to set up his teammates in the way that he was, Um, especially when Sacramento was... I mean, they were struggling to hit shots early, so that led to a lack of assists. But like you look at the end of the first quarter, and Sacramento as a whole had... Is this right? One assist. Had one assist at the end of the first quarter. And yeah, you go to, I'm like really thinking I'm reading this number wrong. It's really one assist at the end of the first quarter on 17 points. And that includes one of 13 from Beyond the Arc, which is not amazing, but Sacramento's still making it happen without that three point shot going down at a great rate. Um, Darren Fox, again, setting up his teammates, obviously he's able to get buckets for himself. You saw him late in that game, do what he does and just go into his bag and, and start to really knock down some good mid range shots. That is what you're used to seeing those, the push shots, tough finishes at the rim. And if defense is overreacted, that he was able to find some of his shooters on the perimeter and they were able to knock it down. Um, another, not great shooting night for Kevin Herter. Two of nine from beyond the arc isn't amazing. But if you're talking about twos, he went to four of five from two. And I think that his gravity is still always going to exist. I think similarly to the way that, like, I don't think Golden State cared pretty much whenever De'Aaron shot a three. And I don't think that like, you know, him hitting the first three is going to make him guard them, guard him differently. And obviously that's not what happened tonight, but like, I think the same could be said vice versa for Kevin Herter. He could be O of eight and he's still going to have that same gravity and pressure that he places on the defense coming off of those dribble handoffs, running off of screens. Um, the same way that you see Stephen Clay have, have that sort of gravity. So I, I think it was a really solid job from, from Kevin tonight and also uh, before I move on from De'Aaron Fox want to give him another just acknowledgement for what he was doing on the defensive end you know second game in a row where he's spending a good portion of his time on the floor guarding Steph Curry chasing him around through screens which makes me tired just watching and still managing to have his impact on the offensive end so I thought that was huge Malik Monk did it again uh, 18 points, not quite the 30 that you saw in game one, but still managing to have 18 on 6 of 15 from the field. Did it without the free throw attempts and had three assists in there as well. I, I think secondary playmaking is really important for this team and in, in a story for both sides of this game, but for different reasons, a lack of on Golden State's side. And Sacramento has really benefited from that secondary playmaking that Malik has. You know, I, I think that... When if you blitz or double De'Aaron Fox, swinging to a Malik Monk is a good answer for them, you know, something that they can really move towards. And I I think you can just trust him to make the right decision. And, And you could say the same about Davion Mitchell tonight on the offensive end. You know, he went 14 points on five of 10 from the field, two of six from three. Also include three assists in there as well and no turnovers. He hit probably what was the shot to ice the game. And when De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell are hitting corner threes to put a game away, like that, that's got to feel pretty frustrating for for the other side. And I guess just to go into that secondary playmaking that I'm talking about and kind of what I think has been an interesting struggle for Golden State, is that their secondary playmaking should be Jordan Poole, right? But when Poole is out there, who is he supposed to guard? No matter who he is assigned to, there is a mismatch. Davion Mitchell is maybe the best option, but I think that Davion is able to blow by him and then make the right reads from there. And it's really led to Jordan Poole having a limited impact in these games. You know, he only played 15 minutes tonight on one of seven from the field. Four points for Jordan Poole, one assist and one turnover. And, you know, when you look at the secondary playmaking on the other end, it's like, okay, Malik Monk, you could say the same thing, right? He he can get targeted on defense. Who is he supposed to hide on? Well, Gary Payton is an option. I think that there's Jonathan Kuminga can be an option when he is out there. Moses Moody played eight and a half minutes tonight. I think he's an option. I think in a way, like there's times that Dante DiVincenzo is an option but also a big credit to Malik Monk tonight where at the end of the game, he's guarding Andrew Wiggins. And that's a 6'3 guy guarding a 6'7 guy. And I posted a clip to my Twitter where he got a block on a pull-up three that Andrew Wiggins attempted, which is just ridiculous athleticism from Malik Monk and great timing. And that it was just phenomenal effort from Malik Monk, but... Often, I feel like Golden State is running into an issue of, like, who should the fifth guy be out there? Because you can even hide on Draymond. You know, uh, there's a size mis- uh, disadvantage there for sure. But I, I think that Draymond has one, one of the big emphasis one of the big points of emphasis tonight, as Darren Fox shared, was to limit Draymond's playmaking ability. You know, last game he had 11 assists. And in this one, he was held to five and there's five turnovers an equal amount of turnovers as those five assists in this one. And I think you saw him really pressure. I think you saw the Kings really pressure Draymond and that absolutely made an impact, but it feels like a lot of times it's hard to figure out who the fifth guy should be for golden state and best lineup probably is their starting Curry Thompson, Wiggins, green and Looney, But, I think that that allows the Kings to kind of put a lot of focus on the first three, and they could really use another offensive boost. But Jordan Poole has just been tough defensively. It's been tough defensively. And big credit to Malik Monk for being able to make it work on the defensive end. And that allowing him to play the let's see twenty uh thirty-one minutes that he played tonight. Like if he was just getting beat on the defensive end over and over, that would not be able to happen. Um, but as somebody here in the chat points points out, they say Davion player of the game for them. Uh he also got the de- defensive player of the game chain. He was ridiculously good 28 minutes I always feel like the biggest most telling single stat in a game for Davion Mitchell is his minutes if he's playing a heavy amount of minutes that likely means that he was playing alongside De'Aaron Fox as well meaning that his offense was making enough of an impact that he still was a reliable force placer out there and of course you know what he's doing defensively you know what he's doing defensively. He's been absolutely amazing on that end. And it's something he take pr- he takes pride in, which is not surprising to anybody, I'm sure. But he had a good quote talking about that postgame.
2: Hunter Patterson with The Athletic. Um, Davion, most people usually uh, kind of love getting buckets. So what is it for you specifically that you enjoy so much about trying to make life hard for others? Yeah, um I think that, um I mean, I think a lot of people look at, Basketball is, it's kind of all about offense, but it's really not. Um, it's the, the little things you do defensively, um, rebounding little, little things like that. Offense is definitely a big piece, big piece, but in the playoffs, it's, it's going to be tough. Um, it's a lot of physicality. A lot of calls are not being made. I mean, just cause it's the playoffs. So I know you had to be, you got to be locked in defensively, especially at times like this.
1: So a lot of calls are not being made for sure. An extremely physical game, which is something that both of the coaches, uh, Steve Kerr and coach Mike Brown highlighted on their own in post game, but extremely physical. They're going to let you play through contact. I've been impressed at the way the Kings have come out. I mean, from the jump in both these games, but you come out in game one and it's like when you're fighting through screens, you're kind of even like hugging the guy as you're trailing him and they're letting you get away with that. And the Kings didn't wait to find out. They just did that from the jump. And it's like, all right, what are you going to call? What are you not going to call? And then kind of adjust as they go. But they've been an extremely physical group, which is something that I think they've been as up and down as as anybody could be throughout the course of this season. You know, they have moments where they, they are able to match that. There's other times where maybe it appears to be a little bit of a struggle. I think that's part of the reason that Keegan Murray is playing somewhat more limited minutes, you know, the 16 minutes and just about 20 seconds that he played in this one. I think like physicality has been something that's been an adjustment for him throughout the course of this year. Typical stuff for a rookie. Um, other guys stepping up and filling that void has been ginormous. Um, De'Aaron Fox also gave his, sh- his opinions on Davion Mitchell's great night. So here's that.
2: Uh, De'Aaron Joe Davidson, Sacramento, Bee. can you talk a little bit more about, uh, Davion Mitchell and just his effort and his energy? And do you, do you ever go against him in practice and how's that go? Yeah. Yeah. He was big time for us tonight. Um, obviously we all know what he can do defensively. Um, he hounded Steph most of the game. And then obviously what he added to us today offensively was was huge. Uh the big the big three in the corner. Um honestly I would say it was like the nail in the coffin. Uh and yeah, I go against Day every day in practice. That's why y'all see what I do out here. Cause I'm not going against Davion out here. So um he's made me a better player since he's been here. Obviously he has the nickname off night. Um but I don't think people realize like how he moves laterally and then how strong he actually is. So yeah, going up against that Anytime we scrimmage or do or do stuff uh, has made me a much better player.
1: I feel like De'Aaron's life in practice, just dealing with Davion Mitchell and Matthew Della Vadova, is tiring. Tiring. And I, I'm sure, as he said, they, they make him better. Um, both of those guys, I, I think, I'd imagine are great for De'Aaron, and, and he said as much. Um, I may have already hinted at it a good bit or, or maybe even stole Davion's words Uh but here he is also that I want to include talking about what he viewed as the defensive difference tonight and I think this is where the physicality conversation I was just having comes into play. Yeah, Brandon Nunez, King Cyril, Davion, you, you guys have been kind of up and down defensively throughout the course of the regular season but two really good games now on that end in your first two playoff games. What do you think has been the difference that's allowed you guys to take that to another level especially with how many small ball lineups you're rolling out there?
2: Um, I think that um the coach is telling us um even before the series we got to be physical and I think as we as we up our physicality and made our made our defense stronger um it made the the passes tougher. I mean just because we're always bumping them so they don't get easy looks. Um, I just think we're
1: just connected
2: together throughout throughout the whole game.
1: Physicality, physicality, physicality. Absolutely been the theme we knew it coming in it was a word repeated non-stop it felt like in the practices uh leading up to this postseason run that sacramento is making here and like i said they, they've done it from the from the jump in game one i think being the more physical team is uh, pretty surprising to me to be honest um to consistently be doing that. And I think it's a big reason they're able to pull out these games. You know, the, the turnovers that they forced in this one, 22 turnovers from golden state. It's obviously their biggest weakness, but it's been their busy, uh, big weakness for them while they've been winning championships, you know? So typically we've seen in the past, they still have ways to um, just have not enough or take care of the ball. Just enough um, that The other aspects of their game can still carry them but that one really hurt them tonight and i think the big difference is the second half right at the end of the first half golden state has 13 but sacramento has 12 of their own and then the big difference is in that second half where again an extremely physical game from both sides sacramento only has two turnovers to end the game with 14 and meanwhile golden state tallies up nine more and ends at 22 um and Sacramento got 25 points off those turnovers. Golden State only got nine points off turnovers. And that also shows in the fast break points, 17 for Sacramento and only nine for the Warriors. Um, this is a, a team that when I was kind of watching some of their film headed into this series, it's like, man, this is one of the few teams in the league that feels faster than the Kings. Their pace had been ridiculous. But I think it's hard for a team like Golden State to just come out and have ridiculous pace when you when you talk about the minutes that these guys are playing, you know, Steph is playing 40 minutes. Clay Thompson played 37. Andrew Wiggins played 39. Like they are hev- heavily relying on really those three guys. And, and I think also Kevon Looney and Draymond fall in there, but it's a heavy, they just don't have as deep of a bench that they are currently utilizing as Sacramento does. You know, for HB to be 33 minutes, Domas was 39. And I thought that was pretty big in this. You actually saw, um, I think it's end of the third, beginning of the fourth. It was, you know, Sacramento coming out on a little bit of a decent run and pulling away a little bit. Just pulling away is probably not the right word, but just extending their lead a bit. And I was kind of anticipating, okay, the big minutes are going to be when Alex Len comes in. Like, how much can Sacramento survive those? And it was only about two minutes before they went back to Domas. And I thought that was a smart move. Um, he was able to play 39 minutes tonight and pull it off. Uh, 35 for De'Aaron. But playing high pace basketball when you're playing that many minutes, I think totally has an impact on, on just how often you're able to do that. But the Kings have been, I think, the faster team. Um, they also aren't even hitting their threes. You know, this is 9 of 38 from beyond the arc and that's includes a three of seven from Malik Monk uh I've already mentioned the two of nine from Kevin Herter two of ten from De'Aaron Fox you're getting an O of four from Harrison Barnes Keegan Murray uh didn't take or make a three Trey Lyles O of two after being pretty big time in the previous game um you know not knocking down threes which I think is partially due to Golden State playing good defense but even then, you expect Sacramento to do better than this 23, flirting with 24%. Um, not doing that and still finding a way to win the game, I, I think, just says so much about this Sacramento team. You look at that second quarter difference, and it's 41 points to 29. That's just that's ridiculous. I, I think that's really all all that you could ask. I um, mentioned Alex Len played eight minutes tonight, but I think the sort of chess battle that we see with... The offensive and defensive matchups when Alex Len is out there has been one of the more interesting things to me. Um, there were a lot of times last game when Len was out there where he gets assigned to Jonathan Kuminga, and then you see Trey Lyles being the one on Draymond Green, and they have Draymond setting screens, and therefore Trey is the one involved in the pick and roll, and Alex Len gets to sort of just play weak side help and not be directly involved in a pick and roll with a guy like a Jordan Poole or even Andrew Wiggins or obviously Steph Curry that are really going to be able to take advantage of his of his foot speed. Even though Alex I think moves really well for a guy his size, that's still relative to his size. And when you're comparing that to somebody 6'3, he, he's going to have a hard time there. Um but then what you saw today is there's moments where maybe Alex Len is getting assigned to Gary Payton. And Trey Lyles, again, typically is the one where, OK, we're going to put him on Draymond um, and then to those sort of pick and rolls or Kuminga again, the same way I mentioned from game one, I, I think you saw happen in game two. But then Golden State's try tries to. OK, well, we're going to set screens with Kuminga then instead of of Draymond Kuminga's not the same screen setter that Draymond is. I, I think that keeping Alex Len out of high pick and rolls has been a credit to the coaching staff's defensive preparedness and in a way, creativeness. I I think they've done really well in that aspect. Um, The, hmm, I'm not going to get there yet. NFL Sunday ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan. Even if you live far away. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming. Only on Hulu. Look at
2: us. All together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots,
1: shots, shots, That's fine. Now streaming. Dad! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Justice. Vacation Friends 2. Rated R. Now streaming only on Hulu. Let's stick on, again, just the importance of, of Malik Monk a little bit because I do have a post-game quote here from De'Aaron Fox talking about him. He, he's been ridiculous, man. For him to be doing this for the second game in a row, like I, I really thought that, like, okay, he's not going to have a night like he did in Game 1 again. And, of course that that was true he's not going to have a 30 ball but 18 and 3 with one assist and by the way a block shot in there too that's a damn good night from Malik Monk and just the way that he's setting up his teammates he's not having these crazy passes offensively i think that he's been pretty controlled when it comes to his decision making and making the right reads more often than not and defensively again is where i've been most impressed when he's getting matched up with andrew wiggins and holding his own actually really hounding andrew wiggins it's like okay that that's big time because again jordan pool i think should be able to have this sort of offensive impact for golden state but he just can't keep up defensively and malik monk is able to get that done um but that's all leading up to here, De'Aaron Fox talking about his former college teammate and Courage Sacramento Kings teammate, Malik Monk, and the impact he had tonight in game two. Hey, De'Aaron, Brendan Nunez, Kings Herald, uh, second straight really good game from Malik. Can you just speak to the importance of having secondary playmaking out there and how it makes game easier for everybody but yourself specifically?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's been, he's been doing that all season. Um, obviously, we want him to do it uh, throughout the season more consistently, but you know, when you have, you know, some some rest in between games, uh, obviously and also playing the same team twice and um you get to be able to adjust to you know coverages that they throw at you. I think he responded extremely well. Um I mean him and Davion after this last game it was him and Trey. Uh this game it was him and Davion stepped up big
1: time for us. There is absolutely a chance that I already played that clip. But I could be wrong. I may have listened to it in editing. Uh, I may be thinking about when I listened to it in editing leading up to this. But if I played it twice, forgive me. Forgive me. Pretend like you didn't hear it the first time. I... Okay, let's let's talk about the Draymond thing real quick. By the way, actually, real quick. Um, Draymond getting in foul trouble and Kavon Ludi getting in foul trouble was a huge factor in tonight's game. You know, for Wiggins, Draymond, Looney to all have five fouls when that's far and away um, Golden State's three best defenders is huge, man. It it really takes away how physical they're allowed to play. I I think that I'd expect Golden State fans to feel frustrated with the whistle they got tonight. But it's hard, man. It's hard when like I talked about the game is extremely physical as physical as I feel like I I've seen at least in person and like what that balance is of like okay what's too far and it seems like as the fourth quarter comes around pretty early that um they try to I don't know I I feel like there's quick whistles early in the fourth quarter in these last two games that weren't Calls earlier in the first three quarters, but I don't know if that's just me. Um, But staying out of foul trouble when you have this physical game, when guys are playing the minutes that I've laid out, is crazy important, man. And when Golden State has to like roll out Jamichael Green and that lasted 50 seconds, or then go to like Moses Moody because their guys are in foul trouble, like that makes a huge difference in the outcome of the game and and allowed Sacramento to get some serious momentum for a good stretch of time there. And there was another incident today of Draymond Green and Demonte Sabonis getting uh, entangled, I guess. Um, Not a Jada Smith entanglement, by the way, just, just for clarity's sake. But (laughs) Sabonis, Fell to the floor, and Draymond was kind of standing near him and went to uh, pass over him when to just to get to the other side of the floor. And Demontis Sabonis um, kind of goes to cover his face, and at the same time, in doing that, his arm uh, holds in place Draymond Green's foot and sort of make Draymond Green trip. Now, Draymond is going to claim it has claimed that he got grabbed and that could be what happened. Domas could have intentionally made it look unintentional to slow Draymond down there, right? He also could have just been trying to protect his face. No matter it's no excuse for Draymond to get his foot free and then stomp on Domas, and like this, this is a whole ass like stomp, like wind up, follow through, and then just hops off like nothing happens. Domas gets a tech, and Draymond instantly gets a. Fl- Gets a flagrant tune, is just instantly ejected. Well deserved. Um, and like, just weird, man. Just weird. And, and then Dre came and kind of stood on Golden State's bench and was hyping up the crowd that was uh, chanting, I think Draymond sucks, or it was something like that, and kind of yelling back at the crowd, which. I don't really have a problem with that energy. Um, I, I think that sort of sportsmanship is fun. It's the stomping that is just absolutely ridiculous and unacceptable. I, I think that I would expect that Draymond gets suspended for a game. I, I think like think of the Trey Lyles and Brooke Lopez situation earlier this year, right? Brooke Lopez started it. But Trey Lyles escalated it, and Trey got the larger punishment. And I think that's similar to what happened tonight, just like if you want to draw the parallels of, again, like who started versus who escalated, right? You could say Domas started it. Draymond took it to a whole nother level. And I think that's an issue. I, I think he will get suspended, but we'll see. I mean, the, the argument on the other side is going to be that that Domas tripped him or was trying to pull him down, and Dre just kind of tripped, I guess, is how you try to present the other side. But, like, man, now that's a stomp. Did that, like, he stomped on him. And also got an update from Woj that Demontis Sabonis uh, was undergoing x rays on his ribs and lungs after getting stomped on and we did get an update that they returned negative on his sternum and it appears he's avoided injury uh sources tell espn according to woge adrian Wojnarowski, he will undergo additional testing on tuesday as a precaution wild moment from draymond wild moment from draymond man and i like i'm typically somebody who likes draymond more than more people i will say i mean there's a lot of people that just like do not like draymond i appreciate his energy i I like playmaking and bigs I, i loved his defense throughout the course of his career this is too much man this was way too much like what are you doing what are you doing it's um you can't really defend it if you try you can't like Again, I, I tried to pitch what I think the counter argument will be, but I'd be surprised if Draymond does not get suspended. Um, I do think there's a chance he doesn't just because like this, is the playoffs and, and maybe they'll just point to like, well, I guess DeMontis Sabonis started it. That would be bullshit to me, but maybe I think that he gets suspended. The final thing I want to close with before. I'll answer some of your questions in the comments here. Um, So get those in here before, as I kind of get this last thought out, I golden state just has kind of looked bad. There's a credit that Sacramento deserves, obviously like very much. So I feel like I've done that throughout the course of this episode. Last episode, the warriors don't look great though. Like, the secondary playmaking is very much lacking. And it's all these little details, man. It's the fouling. Like, getting in foul trouble and then some of your best defenders are forced to play limited minutes. Kevon Looney, who everybody talked about, was so great in game one. Myself included. He was great. Only got to play 22, just under 23 minutes tonight because of foul trouble. You know? And that leads to Sacramento getting to the line 21 of 29, or uh in making 21 of 29 free throws. Again, offensive rebounds, like Sacramento managed to bring down 12 offensive rebounds after getting, what was it 17 in game one? And that being a clear point of emphasis. Transition defense was something that Steve Kerr and the rest of the Warriors players talked about as something they needed to clean up. Kings still got 17 fast break points on 8 of 12. Like, I don't feel like the Warriors are doing the little things well. And the Kings are, but I'm surprised it how Golden State is not doing that. And I think we're seeing why Sacramento was just the better team this year. They were the better team throughout the course of the regular season by a good margin. And I think you're seeing why. I'm shocked at the level of defense Sacramento has been playing. And that makes me really question how far this team can go man like I said after last episode if the Kings can win their first two games I think they win the series so I'm gonna sit here now and say I think the Kings win this series like it's first time since 2007 the Warriors have been 0-2 in a playoff series that's crazy this is a team that's very good at bouncing back they know the importance of doing this, there was that clip with Draymond Green on his podcast, uh, prior to this series starting saying, you know, we, w- we really, really want to win one of these first two games because you don't want to allow a team like that to get hope. You want to instill doubt right away. They got hope. Kings got a lot of hope. I promise you that it is very clear. Now I've been one to throw away the home and road differences when it comes to the postseason, but you know, the Warriors were a extremely confusing team when it came to their home and road splits. Like this was an 11 and 30 on the road team and 33 and eight at home team. Maybe that's what we're going to see in the postseason. Maybe we're going to hear that same thing or see that same thing in the postseason. Um, But I will say if the Kings can beat the Warriors, they can beat the Lakers or the Grizzlies. You know, which means we'd be talking about Western Conference Finals. Um what? I'm ahead of myself for sure, but like just want to share a little bit of I, I'm definitely feeling the need to pump the brakes myself throughout the course of this, but this is super encouraging. Super encouraging. Meg asks, can they steal one on the road? I think they can. I absolutely think they can. I think if they have a night where they're just hitting a lot of shots and still taking care of the little things on the defensive end, I think being physical is extremely, extremely important. Then they totally can win one on the road. I mean, this, this Kings team is good enough offensively that they can win any game anywhere, in my mind. They put up 130 you know this team's a threat to do that any given night i think that's all i got guys uh meg does have a good point uh that they being the warriors have even fewer two-way players than the kings do as kind of uh to my point earlier I, i think that's a big big disadvantage for just the construction of this golden state roster i think that's a big reason they miss Otto porter jr you know i think that Gary Payton has his offensive struggles and when he's playing alongside one of Draymond or Kevon Looney, that can be tough. Um, I mean, you go down their bench, Jordan Poole, honestly, horrible defensive player. Jonathan Kuminga has, uh, I mean, he's a good finisher at the rim. I think he's a good cutter. He's a very poor shooter. You don't have to worry about him from beyond the arc. Um, After that, like who really plays? Who really plays? on their bench you know Moses Moody played eight and a half minutes that was out of total necessity they were desperate he fouled right away uh twice I think it was uh two pretty tough fouls um did manage to get a handful of rebounds when he was out there but like if they're going to Moses Moody that means they're searching and pretty desperate to be honest and that breaks my heart to say as a big Moses Moody guy at the time of the draft but that is the reality of it um Let's see. Do we have anything else here in the chat before I get out of here? Diehard Fred says, believe Judas. Uh, Fred's always calling me Judas on Twitter, and I think it's hilarious, but I'm a believer right now. I am absolutely a believer. Um, The Aftershock also points out that the Kings have a good uh, record. Very true. Um, a good road record. And I I should have mentioned that when I also mentioned Golden State's home and road splits, the Kings were the best road team in the Western Conference this year. They were 25 and 16 on the road. So extremely impressive. And that shouldn't go unmentioned when talking about Golden State's home success as well. So it's going to be interesting. I am expecting a better Golden State team. But I was expecting a better Golden State team tonight. We didn't see it. Sacramento has been insanely impressive, man. And if the Kings can continue to have this sort of defensive impact, like winning a game on the defensive end because you held the second highest scoring offense in the league that averages, I think it's 116 point something to 106 on the road. I'm sorry, they averaged 118. And you held them to 106 the best offense in the league offense rating wise won a team because of what they were able to do on the defensive end and that uh, against one of the better offenses in the league. And I don't know that golden state's actually one of the better offenses in the league when, Jordan Poole is unplayable because of his defense I will say actually but they are still a very good offense and the Kings winning a game because of their defense is an extremely encouraging sight. when you know what they can do offensively and that's not going anywhere you know I will say I don't really buy this notion that the Kings are winning games even when they're not playing well I think they're playing amazing like you can point to shots not going down like oh they'll probably go down at a higher rate yeah I agree um but, like, I'm not relying on De'Aaron Fox to hit, like, four out of ten threes, you know? When when ten of your threes are coming from De'Aaron Fox, and six of them are coming from Davion Mitchell, like, you don't feel great. Like, Malik Monk's three of seven is cool. Kevin Herter will do better than two of nine. Harrison Barnes will do better than oh four. I think at this point, you can't really rely on Keegan Murray. If he gives you anything and is able to just adjust on the defensive end, then... And also on the offensive end, if he's able to make an adjustment and then be a factor later in this series, that's a huge plus. But as of right now, it feels um, like you can't really rely on him. And again, that's fine. I think this is like good for him to experience and will be good for him going into next year. But um, that's all I got, guys. I'm going to get out of here, get out of Golden 1 Center. I'm excited to get over to Chase Center for games three and four big opportunity for Sacramento here, man. If they can win one of these games, the hype is going to be real. The hype is going to be real for sure. Um, I will be watching this game back tomorrow and I believe we're going to have a practice tomorrow. uh, So we'll be able to get to get some quotes, but planning on watching it back tomorrow and getting an article up on the Kings Herald with kind of what I saw. I'm sure all the other great guys and gals there are already getting work up there as well. So, check out that site, kingsherald.com, and take a look at their Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And appreciate everybody that hopped in this chat and appreciate everybody that's listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast and want to keep along with this and follow up with the show throughout the course of who knows how long this postseason run could be, then please follow, like, and subscribe. I'm drawing a blank, but yeah, that's what we're going to go with. And. You'll hear from me again in the next couple days.